verses after that. The title of the sermon today is Culture or Christ, Finding Your Way in a Distracted Environment. And we live in a very distracted culture. Verse 7 of Mark chapter 6, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart, then shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Coming down to verse 30, and the apostles gathered, verse 30, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Have you ever got so busy in your life, you just didn't have time to rest? You get so busy, and you are just frantic, going here, there, and everywhere. And Jesus had sent his disciples out into the highways and byways, telling people about himself. And Jesus, even in this passage of Scripture, if you would read it, his cousin, John the Baptist, had, his, had been beheaded by a cruel government. What had John the Baptist's crime been? He told Herod that he should not be sleeping with his brother's wife. Now, the disciples of Christ have been in ministry, and they have no time for leisure. It says even to eat. Have you ever gotten so busy in a day you didn't even have time to eat? I mean, you're just working, 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 and then you look at your clock, you're like, oh, I think I guess I missed lunch. Oh, I missed dinner. I'm, I'm pretty hungry, you know. You're like, hey, I, I need to sit down. I'm tired. And Jesus understands what his disciples are going, to, going through. The invitation to these disciples is both private, but it's also public, corporately. The outcome of this separation is rest. When I, you know, the last two years of life around the world have certainly been different. A storm that we have faced. I certainly believe it's a spiritual storm as well. There are a lot of voices, a lot of different sources yelling out truth, or at least their perception of it, as well as seeking for your attention with the promise of rest. If you follow my formula, here's where you'll find satisfaction. Do you realize that there are many different languages in our world today? 1 Corinthians 14.10, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them without signification. And we understand here, now I understand, they're, they're speaking about tongues in this passage of Scripture, but nevertheless, there's different languages in the world today. And if we listen to all these different voices, all these different languages for any length of time, it's going to draw out in us whatever the emotion is of that which we're listening to. You know, if I listen to a news source for a time that's perpetuating fear, I'm going to evidence fear in my life. If I'm, if I'm watching a news source that's, uh, you know, showing of anger, I'm going to evidence anger. It's going to, it's going to affect us, what you listen to. 
Uh, the music, I mean, if you listen to uh, certain music, some of it makes you angry, some of it makes you sad. The voices that you're listening to, and I'm not talking about like, oh, I hear voices. No, I'm just talking about sources. When I say voices, I'm talking about sources, okay? So I'm not talking about literal voices. Some people may, but I'm not talking about that, okay? So just to give you clarity. But if I stay listening to these varying sources that are dry, drawing for my attention, I will come to an unintended destination. And the Lord Jesus Christ understands that his disciples are tired. They're worn out. The day that they're living in is just exhausting. I remember when my wife and I, when we were traveling around, and uh, I was preaching at different churches, we were on deputation, and I was headed towards a church in Porcupine Plain, Saskatchewan. I was coming into Saskatchewan, and, and our GPS was guiding us there, and we came into this one little community. I don't remember what the name of it was, but we came into it. And I came up to a stop sign, and the GPS said, turn right, so I turned right. It said, turn right again. I turned right again. It said it the third time, and the fourth time, and I said, I've just done a circle. I said, are you serious? How could I have missed where I'm supposed to go? I'm going in a, a circle around this block. It said again, right, 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 right. You know, I think we had done it twice, and I finally said, what in the world's going on? Let me look at the map. You know what? I was listening to a voice uh, of the GPS, this female voice on the v GPS, and it was telling me to go the wrong way. Well, as I got to that original stop sign, I realized that I'm supposed to do a little dog leg to the left and then a right. Oh, okay. But it was so slight that the GPS said, turn right. And I was going in the wrong direction. Do you ever feel like you're going in the wrong direction in life? The fact is, the point of all this is that the voice I listen to determines my destination. If I listen to my worry and my fear, it's going to lead me in a destination that will not lead to rest. If I listen to a frustration, it's going to lead me down a path that will not lead me to rest. Do you ever stop to think about all these sources and persons and friends and family and news and social media and co-workers and you name it that is trying to get my attention? It's jockeying to gain my ear and my attention to, or it's seeking to divert my attention from Christ. It could be the boss calling again to update you on the latest report. It could be your wife telling you about something at home needing fixed. It could be your kids asking you to play a sports game on a Sunday. It could be another church member complaining about the pastor. It could be Statistics Canada calling to get your personal information. It could be a telemarketer, a politician calling to get your vote or get your money. It could be the guys calling you out to go fishing. It could be the inappropriate ads on the internet calling for your attention. I could go on and on with the barrage of people and gadgets and things that want your attention. I mean, even your dog, if you have a dog, your dog is vying for your attention. So how am I to determine which voices of bidding I am to give of my time? How do I find rest? What is it that drives my ambitions in life? The answer to this question starts with to whom you listen to their bidding of come. Both the world and the Lord Jesus Christ are calling you to themselves. And if I don't trust the Lord Jesus Christ's request to come to him, then I'll follow the world's request. And I will regret the day that I change course. Here's the truth. To whom you yield is a product of the relationship you have with this person. The more familiar you are with the person, the greater the likelihood you are to listen. 
I was reading a book last night, a biography. There was a, a young lady there that was at the, uh, at the campground where we went for the men's retreat here not long ago. And um, she had gone down a bad path. Her sister had gone down a bad path of being with the wrong friends. She'd gotten involved in meth, and she's now right and, and, and going forward for the Lord, but she had gone down a bad path. She had listened to the wrong people. And the fact is, many people don't want to trust God because they don't know Him. They think that the Bible is man's words that have no relational implications. In Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song will I praise him. You know what? I can trust the one calling and receive help for life. The question I want to ask you this morning is what are they, to, what is the source calling you to do? Can you trust the person that is calling for you? Your boss, your children, a significant other? The question is, which voice will you choose to listen to? What is the outcome if I listen to the voice of this world? What is the outcome if I listen to the Lord Jesus Christ and his command to come? To whom you give your ear to listen to will determine your destination. So what voice is calling you to a course of action? Now, in the grammatical elements of this passage here, in verse 31 particularly, it is an imperative command. Like if my daughter's running after a ball, the ball goes into the street, and I say, stop! I'm very emphatically making an appeal of my will to her will to stop. Now, it's her choice to stop. It's her choice to listen to me. But it's an appeal of one will to another. And Jesus here is appealing to the will of his disciples, come. It's a present imperative. The will, your will, is ultimately where the battle is won or lost in your life. Are you going to choose to do right? Our daughter, she'll wake up, she'll have a horribly grumpy attitude. And I said, work on your attitude. Because it's a choice. We have a choice on our attitude. We have a choice to be happy or to be sad. Now, I understand there's things that happen and, and, and there are certain things that come into our life that it affects us because of relationships. If you have, uh, you know, you've lost something significant in your life, there may be grief. But in that grief, I don't have to be a grumpy grief. I can be a happy grief. I can still show joy. So the, your will is ultimately where your battle is won or lost. It's in your mind. Your will is enticed to do many things. Someone might be having a bad day and they say, I just need some ice cream to feel better. They go to the kitchen, they grab the freezer, they grab the half gallon and they just start digging in. Man, they're just chowing down. I need that to feel better, right? You made a choice. I'm not feeling good, so hopefully the ice cream helps me feel better. And then I'm like, well, I need to go to the gym, right? But the fact is, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be which go in thereat. 
because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. He's saying, enter unto me exclusively to Jesus Christ. That is a choice of your will. God will not make you. Now, if you stop and think about it, the voice or voices that you listen to will impact where you arrive in life. Anyone that's living on the streets has listened to some voices or listened to some sources in their life that has led them to the destination they're currently at. You and I made a decision to be here this morning. That's a choice. And these disciples, they're tired, they're exhausted, they're wearied from the crowds, and they possibly had to endure numerous hecklers, as he says, shake off the dust of your feet, and they're tired. And now Jesus has asked them to another task. God, did I not do enough? Why should I listen to you, God? Jesus, what do you know? Can I really trust you? I mean, you sent me out two by two, and those people were yelling at me and screaming at me, and they hated me. Some of them threw rocks at me. Every voice and every invitation to come has a desired outcome. But only one voice will help you to truly be settled and finish life having accomplished an eternal good. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. We don't like, you know, sometimes we look in the Bible and, oh, all those thou shalts and thou shalt nots. Oh, Christians are all these rules about all this stuff that I can't do. Oh, man, they take away all the fun. You know, the Bible gives us some things about marriage. It gives us some things about life. It gives us some about morality. You know, it sure saves your heart a lot if you trust God to provide, you know, in the case of my wife, you know, leading me to her and, and how God orchestrated that, rather than, you know, someone who's lived their life immorally and now they're stuck with STDs. Sure, they did it their way, but now they're with some consequences they didn't like. So some, the, the, what God sets for us is because he's a loving father that says, listen, I know what's best for your life. I know, and if you've messed up, I know how to get it right. So the fact is, culture or Christ, finding your way in a distracted environment. And here's the principle this morning. This is my introduction. Be careful of which voice you follow because following the wrong voice results in the wrong direction in life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day and Lord, I thank you for your grace. Father, as I preach your holy word, I need your help. It's not my words, but yours. And so God, I pray that you would just anoint the words that are spoken. Lord, remove me from the side, out of the way, that you would be glorified. And Lord, I yield today to thee. I love you and thank you for your marvelous grace. Thank you, Lord, for healing bodies, healing of strokes. Father, I thank you for the rest that we can have in you. And God, I thank you for being an amazing Savior. Or we don't, sure don't deserve it. 
And God, I'm thankful that you call out to me to come. Lord, because you know it's a tiring world. And so, Father, during this time, when we sit around your word, Lord, I pray, pray that we'd find rest to our souls. And should there be someone here this morning that is not saved, Lord, I pray that they would call out to you to be gloriously saved. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for your grace. In your precious name I pray. Amen. The call of the world is to follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your emotions. As I was sitting here putting the sermon together, there was a nagging urge to check my email, check the social media, check my texts, and the list goes on. I mean, even the morning as I was working on this sermon, tempted to sleep in, not go work out, not do my devotions, not go on visitation. You know, there's a lot of urges to not do something. Our world will always call us to a course of action that at first seems glamorous, but afterwards it proves disastrous. Does our world show you the after effects? I mean, they might show you on TV this glamorous ad about someone smoking. I remember, you know, as a young kid, these cowboys smoking, you think, wow, what a cool dude he is. But it doesn't show you years later if that man's an avid uh, customer of that product. They're sitting there dying in their hospital room, barely able to breathe because they've been smoking something that causes cancer. Or how about alcohol? It shows you party scenes on the television, but it doesn't show you someone who just got hit and run and killed. Or families devastated by abuse while someone's drunk. It doesn't show you that. It likes to make things glamorous. Let's look at, I want to look at several alternative voices that the world may call you to. But I want you to think about, as we look at these different voices of the world, as we look through scripture, scriptural uh, precedents, what was the outcome of these voices, these sources? The first one that I want to look at is friendship. Come with us for a good time. The rallying cry of so many kids and adults is needing time with friends to hang out. I need friends. But who you hang out with and who you relax with will affect your life. Do you realize that Jesus' plea to his disciples and his friends was to come apart and rest because he knew they were tired? But not all friends actually care for you to find some rest. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, at the Tower of Babel, and they said, Go to, let us build us, a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So let's all come together. Let's all be one big happy family on earth. We don't need God. We don't need any of this. What was the outcome of the Tower of Babel? The confounding of languages. Why are there some, I think there's what, 7,000 languages? Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But there's a lot of languages in the world today. Why are there so many languages? At the Tower of Babel, God confounded the languages. He, he, he just said, you know what? You're no longer going to all come together. How about another one? There was an old prophet 
that saw a young prophet walking on the road. This young prophet had gone to uh, Jeroboam. He says, listen, Jeroboam, you're doing wrong. You're not supposed to create idolatrous worship there. Uh, this is when Israel had just uh, split apart. You had the northern kingdoms, the ten tribes of Israel, and then you had the southern kingdoms, two tribes, Benjamin and Judah. And Jeroboam was the head of this, and he created an idolatrous place of worship in the northern tribes there in Samaria. This young prophet, he goes and he tells Jeroboam, this isn't right. Uh, Jeroboam gets all angry. He says, kill the guy. Uh, the young prophet, you know, he, uh, and then Jeroboam's hands become leprous. And, and then the young prophet says, put your hands in your pocket. Jeroboam does. His hands come out and they become clean. And, and then Jeroboam lets the young prophet go. The young prophet is told by God, don't stop anywhere. Don't even, don't even eat. Go straight home. Well, then an old prophet, an old man in the ministry comes along and tells him, uh, you know, God told me in a dream that you need to come and eat with me. The young prophet, not discerning, says, okay, I'm going to go eat with him. While he's in the old prophet's house, 1 Kings 13, you can find this. The young man goes there. While he's there, God shows him and tells him, you're going to die because you disobeyed my word. What was the voice? The guy was even a professing believer in God that led him in the wrong direction. You know, sometimes some of the dangerous things in a church are those who profess the name of Christ, but they're going in a direction away from Christ. I remember being in a Christian school for a time, and some of the friends that I would hang out with would talk about things that were definitely not very good and do some things that were not very good. I remember even some of the uh, teen parties, youth group parties that we would have as a kid growing up, there were some teens definitely going in the wrong direction. And here is an old preacher, an old prophet. And on the way home, this young prophet leaves the old prophet's house, and on the way home, he's eaten by a lion. The donkey and the lion stand next to the carcass of that prophet who was killed. He listened to the wrong friends. Rehoboam, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, after Solomon, King David, or King Saul, then King David, then Solomon, after Solomon was Rehoboam. Rehoboam, he said, what should I do with the kingdom? My dad has died, and they said, you need to lower the taxes. Amen on that, right? Lower the taxes, lower the, the fuel taxes. Amen? <laughs> Get us some cheaper price of fuel. Anyways, so the, the older men say, lower the taxes, reduce the burdens on the people. Rehoboam goes and talks with his friends. They said, if you're, these people don't like it, your father whipped you with whips, I'm going to whip you with scorpions. And so what does Rehoboam do? He listens to his young friends and he divides the kingdom. He listened to the wrong friends. There's another man, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 2, who was called away. Then that Sambalat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Nehemiah was trying to rebuild there in, in, uh, in Jerusalem and trying to rebuild it. And these men, Sambalat and Geshem, come to him as a friend, but their ulterior motive is that he would not <laughs> do what God wanted him to do. I want you to look with me at Mark chapter 11, verse 16. And this tends to be really the calling of the world today by many friends. And I think, you know, as we're younger, it seems like it's something that's also very enticing. Matthew chapter 11, verse 16. 
Matthew 11, verse 16. Jesus speaking here. Uh, Matthew eleven sixteen. But whereunto shall I liken this generation is likened to children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows, and saying, We have piped unto you, verse 17 of Matthew 11, and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. So here's people, sit, the children sitting in the markets, calling unto their friends, We've piped unto you. We've played music. We've had a fun, gay time. You know, just kind of a, uh, a lot of uh, festivities going on. And, you know, and, and you didn't partake with us. When we were crying over here at this event or at this funeral, you weren't there for us. Why are you not like one of us? You're not a very good friend. You're not partaking in all of our fun festivities. When I, in my personal life, I was uh, in the military for a time, and, and I used to drink, and I had some professing Christian friends that I would hang out with, and we would drink together, and then I eventually came to a place, and I said, and God just convicted me, I shouldn't be drinking anymore, and so I said, okay, Lord, I'll stop, and some friends of mine asked me to go out with them one night, and I said, I apologize, but I can't do that anymore. They no longer wanted to be my friends. I hadn't heard, I never heard from them again. And I didn't want a part of that life. You know what one gentleman states? He says, no matter what Jesus or John did, they were criticized. Jesus likened his critics to the vacuous and fickle nature of undisciplined little boys out in public. They asked foolish questions and then changed the subject to some other foolishness. You know what? They tried to make Jesus look foolish. Jesus simply wouldn't follow along with their program. There is a calling to leave our duty as a believer. When I, when God called me to be in the ministry, I was an Air Force officer, I was an electrical engineer. My grandfather, he said, why would you do that? You're leaving good money. I said, Grandpa, I'm doing it because God called me. Has it path ever been tough? Oh, yes. <laughs> Have there times I've ever wanted to quit? Yes. But the truth is, when I come back to Jesus, I found a rest. When I just simply put Jesus back in the proper perspective with all of the distractions of life. Do you realize in Exodus chapter 32, verse 6, Moses is up on the, on the Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments, and the Israelites, verse 6 of Exodus 32, and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. It's all about play. What's fun? What makes me happy? And the, pro the problem is when I follow what's just fun, that fun will end someday. Fun is expensive too. The second thing that it will be a voice that will call you is women or sexual senses. I don't know how many people I have seen in their life, they begin to serve God and along comes a significant other in their life. And you'll talk to this individual, she completes me, he completes me, he gives me value, she makes me feel good. The list goes on. Do you realize in Genesis chapter 39, verse 7, Potiphar's wife with Joseph, and it came to pass after these things, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. Joseph, you'll make me happy. And then it went in, again, Genesis 39, verse 11 through 12, he goes into the house and uh, 
there was none of the men of the house were there and she catches his garment to pull him to herself and he says ah and he runs and then he has she has his garment and and she lies about him and he's thrown into prison but you know the but what happens in Judges chapter 16 with Samson, a very strong man, long hair, you know, maybe one of these GQ kind of guys. And Delilah, would t- she lured him in with the sexual senses to find out what was his strength. And she would nag and nag and nag Until he finally said, okay, I give up. I'll do whatever you want as long as you just quiet down. And that would end up being cost him his life. They would gouge out his eyes. I want you to look with me at a passage of Scripture, a little bit lengthier passage, but the seduction of women, the seduction of others in our life for the sexual senses. This is a voice that draws so many people but it draws them down a very dangerous path. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. We'll read through verse 23. How many people have you known in their life, they got a bad, they got a boyfriend, they got a girlfriend, and man, some years down the road or a year down the road, man, they're in a mess. They're in a mess. You look at the foster system. A lot of it's because of wrong relationships. Because of people not guarding their heart. Some of them, they don't, they've never been taught how to guard their heart. And they need Christ. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6, For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her house. She's the life of the party. She's the fun one. She's the flirtatious one. Verse 12, now is she without now in the streets and lieth in wait in every corner. So she caught him and kissed him and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me this day have I paid my vows. I'm even religious. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen. Look at the life that we can have. The vacations and the time together. Oh, it'll be happily ever after. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves, for the good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He had taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Man, you are, man you're a strong man. You, you're such a, a good man. You're a wonderful man. You're a wonderful lady. Oh, You don't deserve the man you're with. Oh, man, I would be so happy to have you. And they just flatter you. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after a straight way as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stalks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that is for his life. She comes in a soothing manner. 
hey, cutie. Something like, I don't know, I don't even know how it goes, but something like that, right? Some pickup line. She's spiritual. I, I paid my peace offerings. I, I go to church. I, I love Jesus. She speaks of materialism and nice things. She speaks of love and companionship. She's persistent in her flattering speech. Man, we make a good couple. Her friends might even say, oh, you guys are so cute. Oh. But it says she has cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. How many strong men do you know that they get into relationship with a woman and man, she just makes him feel like a piece of dirt? Or he, she may, vice versa. It's not just the women to the men, but it's also the men to the women. Vice versa. One illustration, sin is nothing to play with. It has a strength to defeat you if you get too close to it with excessive confidence in your own strength. A well-to-do man advertised for a chauffeur. Three applicants came. His first question was, how close to the edge of a cliff can you drive without going over, is the man's question. One man said, I can drive within a yard of the cliff. Another said, oh, I can get closer than that. I can drive within a foot. The third man said, I always try to keep as far away as possible. The third man got the job. He who underestimates the strength of an enemy is in danger of defeat. Just because there's flattery there, just because it makes you feel good, does not mean it's good. Just because you might feel right about the situation, your emotions will deceive you. If someone is not faithful to God's house, they're not faithful in God's word, they're not evidencing Christ's likeness. As a Christian, God says, you ought not to be in a relationship. Because they'll lead you down a path, they might make you feel good for a while, but in the end, they're going to make you feel like trash. Because they can't love you like God can love you. And a Christian who walks with God has God's love to appropriately love a significant other. Here's another voice. Fear. Intimidation. You must listen to me or else. Look with me at Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10, verses 3 through 4. Israel has just been deceived by the Gibeonites. Uh, they made a covenant with them. And uh, several of the other nations, they don't like this. They're kind of like, uh-oh, the Gibeonites just joined with the Israelites. We're in trouble. You know, and, and the Gibeonites were very deceptive. And, and, and uh, anyways, Joshua, without talking to the Lord, made a foolish covenant. Chapter 10, verse uh, 3 Actually, let's read verse 1. Now, it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king. So he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty. 
Wherefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto Hoham, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of Jarmuth, and unto Jephiah, king of Lachish, and unto Deber, king of Eglon, saying, I'm not reading that list again, Come up unto me and help me, that we may smite Gibeon, for it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together, and went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon, and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent it to Joshua to the camp of, to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants, come up to us quickly, and save us, and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell on the mountains are gathered together against us. And then verse 10, And the Lord discomfited them before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. And you can read on. But the fact is, these king, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, he gets these other kings with him. Listen, the Gibeonites, they're with the Israelites. Oh no, what are we going to do? How many of you have made impulsive decisions because of fear? You're worrying, you're fearful. Ah, oh, i got to do this. Ah. That was what ruled the last two years of life here. We lived in fear Fear of what? Something that could kill me? But if I'm a Christian, I'm on my way to heaven. So why do I live in fear? And I listen to this voice, and it takes me down a path of increased anxiety. High blood pressure, maybe, I don't know what else can come from it. Just mental fatigue. What was it in 1 Samuel 17, Goliath mocked the Israelites. He says, Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. So he's the giant in the situation controlling your behavior. Who is supposed to control our behavior? Is it not the Lord Jesus Christ? But yet I let fear be the dominating factor of how I live my life. In 1 Samuel 17, 44, And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Where is God in this situation? David comes up to Goliath and says, Let me go, because he's defied the God of Israel. And I listen to the voice of fear. News perpetuates fear. Rather than saying, what does God think about this situation? And so I get all worried, and I get all frustrated, and I get all flustered. No time for leisure, no time to eat, no rest, because I'm listening to fear. A lot of people have still living in fear. Another one, a voice that is there, is justice. You did me wrong, I'm going to get even with you. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 30, Benaiah bids Joab to come forth for justice as he was in the tabernacle. We just talked about this in Sunday school hour. We're going through the book of 1 Kings in Sunday school at the 10 o'clock hour. And as he was in the tabernacle, his refusal was his death. Realize this, Matthew 21, 38, but when the husbandman, which is like a farmer, saw the son... So this husbandman, he sends his servants to check on the other servants to make sure they're doing their job, the workers, you know, the, those working the fields, the vineyards and stuff. And so the, 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 the husbandman, the, the man who's the employer, he goes and he sends these servants. They beat them up. They kill some of them. Finally, he says, you know what? I'm going to send my son to check and see how my work is doing. 
I'm going to make sure that, you know, my crops are growing, that things are doing what they should, so I'm going to send them to them. So he sends them, and they said, so then, verse 38, but when the husbandmen saw the sign, saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir, come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. You know what, if we kill the son, <laughs> we'll get the money. I'm going to get even. I deserve that money. How many people live their life on someone's wronged you and now I'm going to get even with them? I'm going to make their life miserable. I'm going to pay them back for what they did to me. You realize there's vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord there in uh, Romans chapter 12. I'll finish up there. I'll finish the other voices this evening and uh, the rest of this message this evening. But there's a lot of voices out there calling for you. The other ones that I'll talk about are riches and power, uh, perversion or a very emotion-led person, uh, entertainment, and I'll talk about the outcomes of those this evening in part two of this message. But just as you think about come apart and rest, what is Jesus calling them to do? He says, listen, I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. I know where you've been. You know what, sometimes in our lives, we may have listened to the wrong voices, but that's okay. You don't have to finish your life still continuing to listen to the wrong voices. You don't have to finish your life listening to these wrong sources. Some of these men, the fishermen, some of those in the church of Corinth had a horrible background, but they would go on to serve God in a mighty way. David killed Bathsheba, had an adulterous affair with her, and yet God would go on to use him in a mighty way. Abraham would give his wife up to another king to be her wife, his wife. I mean, just messes. Just because you've made a mess doesn't mean the rest of your life has to be a mess. Come ye yourselves apart into a desert, desert plate and rest for a while. Isn't it about time we just listen to the command? And yield my will to God and say, okay, God, I'll come. I'll do it your way. It's just simple. Do it his way. It's a whole lot easier. Sometimes it's hard to undo the way my, my mind is thinking in the wrong way. And, I, and I've been there, done that. I, I know what it's like to, you know, you're, you're down a path for a while and, and, and you're struggling with something. You might feel addicted to it. and You feel like, man, I'm such a loser. I'll never get victory over this. That's Satan's thoughts. God's like, no way, uh-uh. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can have victory and God can use you in a mighty way. But if you continue to listen to these wrong voices, these long, wrong sources, you will continue to go in the wrong direction. And I want to ask you this morning, to whom are you yielding your life? Who is the master that is dictating how you live your life. If there's anything in anyone other than the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God, then you're going to find a life with increased difficulties and challenges. Am I saying as a Christian you won't have challenges, difficulties? No. There's challenges, there's difficulties. But you have someone that will walk with you through it. You'll have someone that will encourage you through that. You want to know the reason why Jesus Christ came to earth and died on the cross and rose again? Because he understands we listen to the wrong voices and we go the wrong direction. And I need 
God says, listen, I want to bring you into myself. I want a relationship with you. I want you as my child. I want to adopt you as my own. But the only way I can do it is to pay for all the crimes that you've done, all the bad things you've done. But the only way you can get to me, the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There's no forgiveness of sin if there is no sacrifice. As I have said before, if you've done one thing wrong, you're in a courtroom, and you're there because maybe you had a speeding ticket. You were doing 140 and 100. I don't know. And the judge, so now you can say, judge, I'm a really good person. I've done wonderful things. The judge says, yeah, listen, you're doing 140 and maybe you hit and killed someone. You're now, you've done one bad thing. The rest of your life could have been really good. But now because you've done one crime, you're under the system of justice. The only way to get out of that system of justice is to pay for whatever wrong you've done. And that's what Jesus did in my place. To pay for the wrong that I've done. So that I can have a relationship with God. So that I can know what it is like to have rest in my soul. And peace in my heart. And if you have never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never appropriated, taken, he stands up in that courtroom and says, Judge, Chris is guilty but I want to pay his penalty. And if I'm willing to say judge, I'll let him pay my penalty. God is the judge of all, says okay. I'll let him pay your penalty. And in faith, I put my faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I ask him to forgive me and be my savior. And I put my faith exclusively in Jesus Christ. You know what happens? I become a child of God. And then I have access. I have the privilege to the rest that God promises. And when hard times come, I can get back to the fountain of living water to find rest. And my friend, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior this morning, I, I beg of you, please accept Him. And if we're a Christian and we're living our life listening to these varying voices that are taking us down, and you're like, why, is, why am I struggling so much in life? I want to ask you, what voice are you listening to? What source or what, what are you giving your time to? But if I'm not spending any time getting to know God and I'm not spending any time just meditating upon Him and meditating upon His Word, then how do I know Him? We live in a distracted environment. It's about time that we as Christians just get back to the simple thing of just resting in Christ. If I could have Miss Pat come forward and we'll have a time of invitation. This time of invitation, if you're not familiar with it, is a time where we just pray and talk to God. We do it silently, quietly in your, in your pew, and uh, no pressure. Uh, you're welcome to pray or not pray. It's totally up to you, but it's a time, just as you've heard the message, between you and God to talk. You said, I've never, I've never talked with God. Just bear your heart out quietly to the Lord. And just talk with Him. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Simply ask Him to forgive you of your sins and be your Savior. Understanding you deserve hell. You des- you're guilty. You've done bad things. You know, you've gotten angry at your brother and all sorts of things. Just ask Him to forgive you and be your Savior. If you'd like more information, I'd love to meet with you after the service. As the music plays, I'd encourage you. What, in this distracted environment, to whom are you listening? about time that some of us as Christians just get ourselves apart and just rest with the Lord.
need prayer or you need the chapel, let me chat with you after the service. As the song will come to a close here shortly, I just encourage you to pray and talk with God. However, He may have been working in your heart, and maybe He's calling you to do something. It's time to work faithful. God doesn't call us to anything that is bad for us. He knows what is best. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful for your word. And God, I'm thankful for your grace. Lord, how we need a rest of mind. Lord, how, do, how many distractions are there? Lord, I am so easily distracted in my own personal life. And Father, I thank you for reaching out and continuing to allow some hard times in my life to the Lord where I just finally break and say, God, I need you. And Father, for any person here who is struggling, Lord, I pray that in their life that you would help and encourage them. Draw them to the place of finding the rest in you. Lord, I love you. I thank you for being an amazing Savior. Lord, help us as we go out this afternoon, to live in the rest that you promise. I love you, Lord. I pray that you would just show us the voices, the sources that are not good. Lord, give us wisdom on how to handle these sources. And Lord, we thank you for all that you'll do and have done. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. God bless you.